Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is Monday, July 24th, and on Tuesday, Atlanta United will dip its toes into the waters of the League's Cup, the inaugural tournament featuring all the teams from Major League Soccer and all the teams from Liga Emekis, that's Mexico's first division, and what both leagues hopes will become a annual event. So far, it's been pretty fun to watch. Not every game is featured an MLS team against a Liga Mekis teams, but there's still been some pretty good action. In this podcast, you are going to hear from Caleb Wiley, Miguel Berry, Gonzalo Pineda, Santiago Sosa, and Brad Guzan. I'm also going to answer some of your questions. But before we get into all that, let's go through a quick primer of what this tournament format is. So there are groups of three. There are 15 groups of three, I think it is, the top two teams in each round will advance to the next stage. Atlanta United's group includes Inter-Miami, featuring Lionel Messi, Joseph Martinez, Gerardo Martino, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, I think Diego Forlorn, Pele, Franz Beckenbauer, and Kylian Mbappe, among others, and Cruz Azul, a traditional Mexican power that's Fallen on a little bit of tough time so far this season. They were beaten by Miami 2-1 in their first game in the tournament. So, I mentioned that the top two teams advance. The points are like this. If the team wins in regulation, it gets all three points. If the game is tied at the end of regulation, it automatically goes to penalty kicks. There are no two 15-minute periods. The team that wins in penalty kicks gets two points. The team that loses in penalty kicks gets one point. The team that loses outright in regulation gets no points. So you got to figure you probably need at least three points to advance out of this tournament, maybe two, depending upon how badly that third team does. After Atlanta United plays Miami on Tuesday, it will host Cruz Azul at 8 p.m. Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Should be a fun match. It obviously will be an important match because if Atlanta United does not advance, It won't play again until Seattle in mid-August. That is a long, long time from now. So it is hoping to advance. It is a trophy it wants to win. So we're going to get into that audio that I mentioned a bit ago. We're going to get into the mailbag. But first, if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Now, before we get the audio, I want to do a couple of housekeeping things really quick. Tristan Miyumba did receive his work visa. I tweeted that out Saturday, got to break that news. So he is eligible 
to play on Tuesday. I don't know if you're going to see much of him. He's just now gotten to train. He barely knows the team, barely knows the teammates. Uh, it would be a little too much to ask. The team is reportedly tied to a winger from Georgia playing in Turkey right now. The team is not signing Diego Rossi. I cannot say that more clearly. I don't know where the reports are coming from in Turkey, but they are not accurate. Atlanta United is not going to sign Diego Rossi, has not been interested in signing Diego Rossi. So just don't get your hopes up about that. There are two games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Wednesday, two friendlies featuring four Premier League teams. You've got Brighton and Ove Albion taking on Brentford in the first game. You've got Newcastle featuring Miguel Almiron, former Atlanta United player, led by former Atlanta United president Darren Eels, taking on Chelsea, two-times Champions League winner, multi-time Premier League winner, and the nightcap. And I will be there, along with our intern Colin Beasley, providing coverage of both of those. I'll be coming right from the airport after going to Fort Lauderdale on Tuesday. So please look for our coverage there. I already wrote one story about the summer series and how it's going to help the growth of soccer in the U.S., or that's the goal. I'm going to have another a Q&A with Brentford's CEO. Going to go do that this afternoon. Excited to talk to him. Uh, that's a really exciting Premier League team that just finished its first season and, and did remarkably well, much better than everyone thought. But let's get into the audio. Here's Caleb Wiley talking about his favorite Lionel Messi memory. Yes, I think it would be playing in front of him last year when I was playing against Argentina's U-20s. Ah. He was watching on the sideline with a few of his teammates, um, just like a few feet away from him. So that was pretty surreal, pretty cool. And here's Wally just talking about how special this is going to be. Just a very special moment. Um, I mean, I can only remember when I was younger, just always just like asking, you know, my, my family and friends, just like if I would be able to play against him one day. Ah. So... You know, it, to do it and to potentially potentially do it, it's uh, it's very cool. Now, for those who don't know, this will be Tuesday's match against Atlanta United. Will be just the second with Miami for Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets. So I asked Wiley if it's even worth watching film to try to figure them out. I always think that film helps in in a certain way. Um, I think with Messi, it's it's different, and Busquets because um, they're world class players, best players in the world. Um, but I think film can help in in different ways. I mean, um, there's other players that Inter Miami has that you know that we can you know look at and um, you know ways that we can break them down. So yeah. Now this this was a really interesting moment. I thought Miguel Barry grew up in Barcelona. He said he was at. Lionel Messi's very first game with Barcelona in 2003. Uh, yeah, 100%. I was, I think, I was at his first game for Barcelona really? against Albacete. Yeah. So, how old um, were you then? Oh my God, um, six, seven, maybe. Eight, oh wow. Maybe? Yeah. I was, I was young, but uh, no, I, my brother and I, we used to get all the videos of, of. They used to have this Barca Academy video. Said that you got the newspaper, uh, and he was like 15, 14. He showed up on the video as the next young star, and I don't know. He, it's, it's, it's you know it's kind of kind of cool come full circle but uh yeah it'll be a cool moment but obviously i think when the, when the whistle starts it's right. it's over you know here's barry on his favorite messy moments there's a lot uh rome 2009 the the header uh and then his goal also against united in 2011 um which when i spoke with rooney about that one it was, it was a good you know good time he had the way he remembered it but uh <laughs> yeah no it's uh you know those champions league moments are are just incredible um you know, and honestly, like, it's the kind of person who 
has affected my life so much in such a such a like obviously an indirect way. I've never met him, but um, it's uh, it's it's really cool that he's come here, and you know I'm I'm happy for him that he's he's happy with his family. So it's it's really awesome to help grow the game here, and, and I'm sure he'll sell out every stadium he goes to. The impact that Messi has had on him and his family. For me, especially when I moved here, that was my one connection to, to what was my home for so long was was the, was Barcelona. Watching them every every single weekend, so. Um, you know, the highs, the lows, a man who literally carried the team for I don't know how many years. Um, it got ugly there after 2015, 2016. So it, it's just someone like that is, is you know, when, when you're when you're far from, from a place that you called home and, and it's your only real connection to, especially the sport when I moved here. That was my only connection there. When I moved here, it wasn't on TV like it is now. Um, so we had to buy all the special packages to watch him play. And uh, it's just, it was the one thing that kind of kept us, you know, connected and and obviously so much has changed with social media and that but uh it's just it's just special that that i got to watch him for so long and i was born at the perfect time to see him and uh i'm i'm blessed and i'm lucky and i'm sure people say they said the same thing about maradona but for me he's, he's the best ever so this was pretty funny here's miguel barry on who is probably going to get Messi's jersey after the game we know who's getting it and i'm, and I'm not one to ask but there's one person who gets it who, who deserves it um, and that's Tiago. Obviously, he, he deserves it. He's got it. one. He's no, got but, but but you know what? He deserves more. Honestly, he's they're they're buddies. So I'm sure. I, for me, playing Busquets also will be will be amazing. You know, having seen him. Hopefully, I've watched enough of him to know how to press him, but I doubt it. Uh, and obviously, when Jordi Alba comes, that'll be that'll be cool too. So. Now, Santiago Sosa. We spoke with him today. He's an Argentinian. Obviously, Lionel Messi is his favorite player. Here's his favorite Messi moment. Okay, well, when he won the World Cup, it uh, was my best moment in particular. Uh, there are a lot of moments, good moments for, uh, to watch him, but the best one was in the, the last World Cup. And here's Sosa talking about the challenges of trying to scout Miami. Yes, we know that they are a different team than before. Uh, they have Messi, the best player <laughs> in the world, uh, Busquets, Jordi Alba, so they are great players. They play in Europe, so we have to to be careful with that and play consistently um, and and we have to, to think in us in in our in our self in our work in in what we practice during the week so that's it now there are reports today that Lionel Messi and Busquets are going to start on Tuesday so trying to talk to Sosa about is it going to be difficult to stay disciplined instead of trying to mi- instead following Messi around the field because Messi he understands space he knows where to go he's seen everything before I mean there's nothing that anyone is going to throw at him that he's never seen and there are attempts to try to limit the man who scored more than 700 goals has one World Cup has one Copa America has won I think it's 12 domestic titles has won four Champions League titles he's won just about everything there is to win how difficult is it going to be to stay disciplined and not just kind of end up getting pulled into his gravity as he wanders around the field? Yes, of course. We have to to pay attention to him, uh, me, the, the centre-backs, the full-backs, because they they is in this zone. So, so yes, but but we have to, to think in in ourselves. Uh, when we have the ball, obviously we have to, to watch where is he uh, and then think in ourselves. And here's manager Gonzalo Pineda on the team's plan to try to limit Messi's effectiveness. Well, you, you know my philosophy. You know how I think. Um, uh, 
the best way to to limit a very good player uh, to to put uh, attacking actions and to create chances on goal is don't give him the ball. It's uh, having more the ball than them. It's having good possession. Uh, that's normally how we do or we try to do against good players. Uh, and of course, we know he can be very dangerous. Uh, but also is the connection, right? Uh, Busquets seems to be very good at finding him in the pockets. Um, and I think uh, if we can limit that, having more the ball than them, I think we're going to be okay. Uh, it's just uh, a matter of that personality that it takes to be in, a, in that type of stage, in that type of stadium, with that type of energy, uh, and, and having more the ball, having always being always in control of the game, having good good possession sequences, being together when we are in possession, being compact, having having a lot of numbers in the attacking half, and from there if we lose the ball, we are all there to trying to regain the ball, uh, having all of course an eye on their attacking players, all of them they are dangerous, so I I don't think uh, that's going to change. Now, I mentioned earlier that Miami is led by Gerardo Martino, former Atlanta United manager, who helped the team win the MLS Cup in 2018. This will be Martino's third game with Miami after they fired uh, Phil Neville. So I asked Pineda if he went back to watch any Atlanta United old film to try to get an idea of what Tata, as Martino is known, might try to do on Tuesday. No, no, we don't do that. Uh, I mean, I know these guys... They, uh, a lot of people in the staff know Tata and know how he thinks. I mean, we everyone knows Tata. I mean, he's a fantastic coach. He has a long history in football, and and of course, you know how uh, more than the formation or whatever, you know how his teams play. So we know that uh, it's not a secret, and uh, we're ready. And I mentioned earlier, if uh, the match is tied at the end of regulation. It goes right to penalty kick. So I was curious if that might affect Pineda's ideas on substitution. If you're getting to the 80th minute and a guy's a little bit tired, do you keep him in because you know he's a very good penalty kick taker, or do you take him out and bring in somebody with fresher legs who may not be as good a penalty kick taker? Yeah, we have an idea, of course. Uh, we've been practicing that. The first day back, we practiced that very realistically, in a very realistic way. We, we practiced that, but... Uh, yeah, you have to see at the moment. Uh, you have your three, four key key ones, and then you have to see with the subs and that who's in the better stage, who's not cramping. A lot of things that go into that decision. But eventually, at the end, is the players the one that make the list, not me. So you know, you have to see the players and their expressions, their reactions, their body language the, that tells you who's in a better mental stage to take the penalties. And then I was curious if he subscribes to the theory of the best player takes the penalty kick first, or do you save the best for last? If you remember, Atlanta United saved one of its best for last against Columbus in its first season of the penalty kicks, and that person did not get a chance to take the kick. We've seen this happen with other teams in big competitions, and Pineda's answer is pretty clear. I prefer the, the, the first ones are, have to be the best. Yeah. But, but at times, again, the players make decisions as well, right? There are guys that, that really like the fifth penalty. They're very comfortable with that pressure when it comes to that. So you have to listen to your players. But my preference is always the best two or three are the ones taking the first two or three penalties. Now, Pineda's actually played against Miami. They faced off in the World Cup in 20, 2006. I think it was it was one of Messi's first games. He came off the bench. Pineda came off the bench for Mexico in that game. There's a famous 
photo or famous to me of Messi kind of going through Mexico and he's Pineda attempting a slide tackle that did not work. Brad Guzan lining out its goalkeeper. It was on the wrong end of a Lionel Messi free kick from probably 30 yards and the 2016 Copa America. Here he is talking about the challenges of scouting Miami. I mean, listen, we know going into it, there's going to be a few question marks in terms of personnel for them, in terms of tactics because of the personnel. Uh, I think their tactics changed a little bit um, depending on who is on the field. So um, you try to cover all all bases on that front. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, it's going to be, it'll be a difficult game for sure, uh, regardless of who's on the field for them, um, especially for them coming off of, the last game against Cruzul and, and how it finished. So uh, they're going to be right up for it. And on trying to stop a messy free kick. There's a reason why he's he's considered the best, one of the best. Um, you know, we you talk about trying not to give away silly free kicks, mm-hmm. trying to, to avoid those positions that, uh, if at all possible. So, um, and, and if there is one, then... You know, you, you put your, your faith and trust in the wall to, to hopefully get a touch on it. Um, and then uh, if not, you, you see where the chips fall and if you can get to the ball. Here's Guzan on his favorite messy moment. For me, it's um, an appreciation of, of what he's done over the course of his career. Uh, it's an appreciation of his ability to perform at, at the highest level for so long consistently. Um, the things he can do on the field, um, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And so, um, you know, we're going to go into the game with, with confidence, believing in, in our group and our team. Um, and, uh, you know, we know that when we're at our best, uh, we're, we're a very good team. And I was curious if Brad has worked on practicing going against penalty kicks because it could be a real – well, it, it will. I'm not saying it, it will be a real thing, but it could be a real thing either against Miami or against Cruz Azul. Yeah, it's something, of course, you look at and, and, and you go over and, um, you know, you, you want guys that, that are going up there confidently to, to, to take those. Um, and, and I think we certainly have that. All right. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. I mean, sports alone, you get the best Braves coverage, the best Georgia coverage, the best Georgia Tech coverage, the best Hawks coverage, the best Falcons coverage, uh, the best Georgia State coverage, whatever you want in sports in the Atlanta market. We've got you covered, and it's just 99 cents. I had an interaction with someone today asking why Atlanta United doesn't bring up a certain player, and I told him I've written about this, I've answered this on the podcast, and he said, well, 
I don't subscribe. I'm like, well, sometimes you got to pay for the good information. It's just 99 cents. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. We didn't get any call-ins to the voicemail line. Daniel is very, very sad. He's back in the United States. He had to come back to get some new crochet needles, some new yarn. He's also taking macrame lessons. The number is 404-526-AJCP, 404-526-2527. Let's go to our fantastic questions. Nick, friend of the podcast, who I got to meet uh, last Friday when Lane United had supporters out, says, I'm wondering what your expectations are for the team in the League's Cup. With Miyumba's visa in and Gigi healthy, how much lineup rotation can we expect? Well, there's not going to be any lineup rotation. I mean, it's going to be the strongest 11 the team has will be out there. I don't think it'll be Miyumba. Just not nearly enough time for him yet. I do think you'll see Ozzy Alonso starting. As for expectations for the team, if they get some points out of this first game, I think expectations are pretty good. If they don't get points out of this first game, I, I don't know. And I hate to put so much on one game, but you only get two chances to, to advance out of the group. So we will see what happens. On to, that was the only question I got via the Twitters. On to Sean, friend of the podcast, who says, first, to the best of your knowledge, what are we working with on the roster? I mean, how many slots are open and how many international slots? I think there are two senior slots open and at least one international slot. I said earlier that the team is reportedly tied to a winger from Georgia, who I think will come in. I think it'll likely be an accounting level DP, which means that the team could buy him down pretty easily, much like they did Alan Franco. If you remember, he was a DP. Marcelino Moreno, when he was a DP. So, you know, the team is is going to go for a winger. They're likely going to try to sign a backup striker. I have to think it's going to be through a trade in Major League Soccer. I just don't know who else is going to be out there. Unless it's someone at, at some club in Europe who's just not playing, who wants to see what MLS is about, and the other team is just willing to let him walk. Kind of like Lissandro Lopez a few years ago when he came to Atlanta United. Sean continues, I just want to say I love Atlanta United to my dying day. But it's hard to hang on sometimes when management says it will make sense the transfer window after the window. I need more from the front office in the form of outreach to the supporters. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, Sean. Do you feel what you feel? I can't tell you not to feel that. Garth goes on the radio every week. He, he was on the radio Sunday after the mess up with the Atlanta United two game at Kennesaw State. The field was all torn up by its owners, so they had to move that game. But there's only so much they can say. They can't talk about players who aren't under contract with the team. They're not going to give away specific names and plans because then it hurts their leverage in negotiations. It hurts their leverage with competition with other teams who might be trying to sign those players. I understand your frustration, but I don't know what else uh, I can I can tell you. Alan says, just continuing the Diego Rossi thing, After the first reports on Diego Rossi, you were emphatic they were unfounded. Since then, the rumors have continued from multiple sources around Fenerbahce in Turkey. Has your level of certainty changed? Nope. The team is not signing Diego Rossi. I don't know why these things keep persisting in Turkey, but the team has no interest in signing Diego Rossi. 
Greg, friend of the podcast, says, perhaps it's jealousy or resentment, but experiencing a little messy fatigue. I understand MLS, MLS perhaps bending a few rules to bring Messi to MLS, which he says is totally justified. However, Joseph, Busquets, Campania, Jordi Alba, Yedlin, Kamal Miller, I just don't see how all these guys can fit in a salary cap league. It really hurts when we are paying both Rosetta and Sosa over 600000 and Mascara over 400000 but I digress. It's just until we get salaries, it's impossible to know what these guys are getting paid. And remember, it's just for this season. Next season, things could totally change, both with the rules and with these players. This may just may be a you know dip your toe in the water, see if you like MLS, and if you don't, you retire. If you do, you figure out a way under MLS rules to to maybe sign a TAM contract. It's just that's how it is. I think some of these guys might be coming on very small contracts for right now, and then they'll go into the offseason and try things again. Pat says, how did Inter-Miami end up with two home matches? So remember, the seeding for these tournaments and the host sites were determined by last year's MLS results. Miami finished ahead of Atlanta United. Atlanta United did not make the playoffs. Therefore, Miami got two home games. Atlanta United only got one. There are no games being hosted by teams in Mexico, which is a little weird to me, uh, but we'll see what happens in further iterations of the event. Rob says, can you ask Bocanegra why he's passed on two opportunities, D.C. to Vancouver, Vancouver to Colorado, to bring back fan favorite and major utility player in Julian Gressel? I think by now we've established he's a salary bargain compared to the guys they've tried to replace him with and more productive with him reportedly expressing an interest in being back on the East Coast and us having an opening after Arahujo's departure. This seems like it would have been a golden opportunity to improve the team and build goodwill with the fan base. Okay, well, there's a couple of things, Rob. Number one, where would he play? Uh, right wing in the back three. It's a wing back situation that is handled very well by Brooks Lennon. And Julian Gressel isn't really, he can't play fullback. He can play wing back, but he can't play fullback. So if he went to a back four, I don't know where he's going to play. The team is already bringing in, well, trying to bring in reportedly the winger from Georgia who's younger would likely end up being over the long run cheaper than Julian Gressel. Gressel is in the final months of his contract. So it would involve having to get a, give him a new contract. Otherwise you're just giving up allocation resources for a loaner. And Julian may not want to come back. I, I have no idea. He may have been upset after the way things ended the last time and, and may not want to come back. I, I really don't know. But those are just a few reasons why the team has probably passed on two opportunities. I mean, Gressel, I think, is 28, going to be 29 this year. And that's, you know, that would be a bit of a, of a risk, a bit of a gamble. I do think he's a fantastic player. But the way the roster is currently constructed and, and what Atlanta United is trying to do, I just don't know if it would be a good fit. All right. That is going to wrap up this podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Atlanta United will play at Miami on Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. The game will be on Apple, so that's probably like a 7.39 kickoff. I will be there live tweeting, so I'll be a few seconds ahead of the action. I hope you'll read the coverage. I hope you enjoy the coverage. I hope you'll continue to send fantastic questions for the podcast. Please remember to rate us on wherever you subscribe to your podcast platforms hug your loved ones communicate with your loved ones this is southern fried soccer y'all take care